0: It's a song. is such an awesome evening to be in the presence of the Lord tonight. Amen? Amen. Just like that song says, your love came down, the Lord rescued us. So tonight, if you're standing here and you're thinking that you need to be rescued, know that there is a God that loves you that is here and ready to rescue you. He already has. Amen. Yeah. Yours and you're our
1: God.
0: We are your Praise to you. We bring our praise to you. Oh Lord. We bring our praise to you. Oh Lord. We bring, you. we bring our praise to you. We
2: bring
0: our praise to you.
2: Oh Lord. Come on one more time we say Lord. did we bring our praise to you
0: praise to you we
1: bring our praise to you oh
0: Lord
2: he's worthy amen you, yeah. come on somebody give him a hand yeah. clap of praise we bless you. your name Jesus Thank you, you unravel me with a
0: Delete No longer a slave to fear. I am the child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am the child. mother's womb, you have chosen me, love has called my name, and I've been born again into your family, your blood flows through my veins. Slave to, to fear. I am a child of God.
3: We belong to the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, this week we've just been praying for the services this weekend. And, and one thing that I was really feeling just in our ministry time was the word worthless. And, you know, a lot of the time I feel like the enemy kind of comes against us. He begins to lie to us, you know, either in our own thought life or, or maybe the people that surround us. And maybe it's, you know, uh, how could anybody love you? How am I going to get out of this situation? Situation. How am I going to be able to deal with what's going on in my life? And I just felt like God was saying, and even in that song, that we're children of the Most High God, and no matter what the enemy throws against us, man, our God is bigger than that. How many people believe that? So tonight, if if a couple of these phrases maybe ring in your heart, I want to challenge you. Uh, we're going to invite our prayer team down front right now, and if you need prayer, in any of these areas, we want to encourage you to come down front, but also, if you want to agree for someone else, or uh, really, if you need prayer for anything, we love having the opportunity to pray for you, so we encourage you to come down, Uh, we'd love to pray for you, but if that's not you tonight, I want to encourage you just to continue to worship, amen?
0: You split the sea so I could walk right through
2: would you sing with me this Shit and I Lord he's worthy amen
0: Cause I want more one more, so pour it out. Oh
2: time and we're gonna we'll stop but before we do you know in our state that our nation our world's in you know there needs to be a desperation within the church for their maker amen says we cry out again don't let it just be words on a screen to you tonight but let it be a cry from deep within your heart that god we want more God, what we had yesterday was good. But, Lord, we've got to have more. We need you, Lord, to be a bright and shining light in this world. We want more. 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 So,
0: Lord, For real. We want more. We want more. We want more.
2: to give him some praise in this place tonight we bless your name jesus you're worthy lord he's a good god amen why don't you turn around and greet two or three people tonight and tell them how happy you are to see them We we want more we want more we want more we want more
4: church on a rock. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us.
0: In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in.
4: Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities.
0: If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. You can either drop it in the offering or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. We offer Saturday night meals and snacks between Sunday services. And don't forget, the coffee bar is always open.
3: We're so glad you're here and we hope that you know there's always a place for you
4: at Church on the Road.
5: Church on the Rock has been a part of the Texarkana community for over 35 years. What started with a handful of people in a small building on Martin Luther King Boulevard grew and moved to our present location in 1985. Over the years, we have gone from one service to two services to three full weekend services. Currently, our facility is at capacity. In order to continue to grow and reach the Texarkana community, Our facility must grow. Imagine more classrooms, more seating in the Connect Cafe, larger halls to help with the flow of traffic, updated nurseries. In order to make this a reality, we are asking everyone who calls Church on the Rock their home to commit to pray and to give toward this expansion. Join us as we expand God's kingdom by expanding our facility. Imagine more at Church on the Rock.
4: Well, how many are in the imagining mood? Let me see your hand here. Yeah, me too. You know, I was thinking as I was watching that video, this this building, this facility was built in 1985. And since then, I would dare say there have been tens upon tens of thousands of people that have been touched here just in our region in this facility. Kids that, that going this way and God turned them this way uh... and who knows overseas right now we've got a team coming back from mexico and in the morning we've got a group of guys going to put a roof on a church in haiti chris and some friends chris wave everybody here pray for them we've got about four or five guys that are going to to haiti in the morning and literally the ministry of this church has gone around the world and what we've been doing is we're just believing god uh, for some more space and i'm going uh, we are hopefully be able to break ground in the spring and uh... But one thing I do, I'll tell you as your pastor, I am not going to lead us into debt we can't afford. I just don't believe it's the right thing to do. I I don't believe church is a place to stand and beg for money. I mean, we can do it or we can't do it. But as we're still working with the architect trying to get, you know, an exact price, what it's going to cost us, I just have a feeling we're going to need some more cash because there's a a limited amount we're going to be able to borrow. And here's what I want to suggest to you. First of all, let me tell you what I'm doing. Without telling an amount, because, I mean, all of us have different amounts based on how God's cared for us. But when we started our campaign 18 months ago, Linnell and I prayed, and we gave what we could from what we had as a one-time offering. We agreed that we're going to give something every quarter as God blesses us. And I'm bringing a quarterly offering tonight, but here's where I want to encourage you to join me. We've also, Linnell and I are trying to do every week $20.15, 2015. Last year we did 2014, next year I'm going to do 2016. But don't you think about this. If a hundred of us would give a $20 bill a week, twenty fifteen or $20, that's $100,000 a year. Now on the weekends we've been having between 1,000 and 1,200 people. If 200 of us gave $20 a week, that would be 200000 a year, and you can just see as it increments up. And I want to encourage you, if you're not participating yet, everybody can do something, but just consider that, that if you could join me, whether you can give $20 a week or whether it's once a month or every week like we're trying to do, but if we do that and enough of us, we can make a big dent and be able to help this church of Jesus tarries for the coming years. And I just want to say thank you for joining me in this, and God bless you.
3: Amen, amen. How's everybody doing tonight? We're good. All right. Well, uh, one quick announcement. I just want to remind everybody right after service, we actually have a meal in our Connect Cafe. And it's just a really awesome opportunity for everybody to go and hang out, meet, fellowship, and also eat some excellent food. Um, but real real fast, I want to share a quick scripture with you. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. And you, you're probably familiar with it. But it says, Honor the Lord. With all your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And I was thinking about that this week, and uh, you know, I'm 25 years old. I'm uh, one of the staff pastors here at Church on the Rock, and normally, when you're about my age, there's a lot of people that are trying to get their feet on the ground and, you know, get their first home, uh, buy their first car. There's, there's a lot of expenses and things, and it can be really uncertain at times. But, um, you know, I came up through the youth group here, and one thing that I knew, as soon as I got saved, whenever I was 17, I had a job, and I knew that I needed to give my 10% to God every time I got paid. And I've done my very best to be as faithful as possible. To bring my ten percent to God every single week, and uh, you know, God has always met my needs. He's always provided through every every you know step out in faith he was there and he had my back and uh, you know even just a couple years ago I felt like God was laying on my heart to to pursue more education and uh, I ended up going to get my master's degree online and I was really uncertain how I was going to pay for it Man, education can be really expensive and I remember God just kept laying on my heart you know I want you to do this and uh, I can say now that I I have a master's degree in theology with zero debt I paid for it all the way through and it's not because I'm awesome but because our God is awesome and he provides whenever we step out in faith how many people can attest to that tonight amen all right well, we just we want to thank you for being a giving church and we uh, we want to encourage you to continue to give and, uh, and actually as they pass the buckets tonight we have a special video for you guys
4: if you're a veteran, if you've served in our nation's military or you're serving now, would you stand to your feet? We'd just like to honor you this evening. Come on, give these men and women a big hand today. Praise the Lord. Remain standing just a second. We just want to just pray for you. I want to ask you if you're here today and you've got family members that are serving in our military right now, why don't you stand to your feet too because there's a sacrifice that you're making right now because of your family members. And lastly, if your family has lost a loved one in a war that protected our nation, I want you to stand because we'd like to honor you and your family for the sacrifices that they made. Give them a big hand today. America is the greatest, remain standing just a second. America is the greatest nation on this planet. But it's not great just because we're smarter than anyone else. It's it's because men and women, when they came to America, they dedicated this nation to be a nation under God. But how many know it takes a strong military, it takes an ability to... the Bible even talks about that, about defending against evil. But we want to pray today that, that God would keep us from wars, that God would watch over us. Can we just pray right now? Lord, we just want to pray for America. I, I want to pray, Lord, that we're not going to have, Lord, major wars and conflicts like we've known in the past, that somehow you're going to be kind and gracious where men and women don't have to give and lose their lives. We want to pray especially for the men and women that are standing because in some vital and very real way, their lives, their family members have made a sacrifice that has helped make this the greatest nation on the earth. And we want to, as a family and friends tonight, pray a special blessing over them and say thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him one more big hand this, this evening. Hey, let's, let's stand up and sing one more chorus before we open the Bible together. And just ask the Lord's presence just to fill this place. I mean, no, we're not talking about a feeling or anything spooky or weird. We're talking about the reality that God is near. Can so we just reach out to him right now and say, Lord, we just love you tonight. We want your presence to fill this place.
0: You're worthy. Come on, begin to worship with me. You're worthy of it.
4: we just stand before you on this Saturday evening and we just say, Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. We just say, Lord, that it's a privilege to be in your house worshiping you. And we just want to say this evening, we ask you to wash us. Come on, just pray that right now. Say, Lord, would you just wash me and cleanse me? Would you just wash off the dirt and the filth, as it were? Wash off the worldliness? Lord, the pain, the heartache, the anxiety, the fear. Just begin to pray right now. Say, Lord, would you just wash me and make me new? Will you just wash away, Lord, the, the desires of my heart that are ungodly desires? Come on, pray that. Say, Lord, any desires that are sinful desires, would you just wash them away so I can live a pure and righteous life and, and I can desire it? Welcome, Holy Spirit, tonight. Lord, I pray that your presence would capture us afresh, not just on a, in, a, in a church experience, but every day of our life. I just pray as we open the Bible now that you would speak to us. Your Holy Spirit would be especially near in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Hey, give the Lord Jesus a big hand tonight. Come on, he's worthy. Give him a big hand tonight. He's worthy of our praise. You may be seated. Hey, turn your Bibles now. Let's see. We're going to go to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 15. I'll make my way there in just a moment. But uh, out of curiosity, how many deer hunters here? Let me see your hand here. Uh, now, Now, how many have actually gotten a deer? Let me see your hand. You did. Oh, a couple of you. How fast were you driving when you hit it? In fact, look at our Bibles. Luke chapter fifteen. We've been doing a series called People Matter. We'll probably do another week or two, but it's based on probably the most popular scripture in all of the Bible, John three sixteen. And would you say this with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What a promise. We've been focusing on that phrase, for God so loved the world. And how many know that means that God loves everybody? People just like you, people just like me. And how many know our world is pretty confused right now? Our world has lost the sense of right and wrong. They had to vote in Houston this week whether or not it was right or wrong for a man to be able to use a woman's restroom or vice versa. It's nothing to read a story today where someone goes in a fast food restaurant, they don't get the right amount of change, and before you know it, a fight breaks out and somebody pulls out a gun. There's violence, there's abuse of all different kinds. I many know all these things are going on, but yet God still loves people like you and I that are involved in some of this insanity. But how many know God wants to call us out of our sinful lives? Because though God loves us, it doesn't mean that God approves of everything we do. I mean, know one day there's a day of reckoning, and today is a day where God's love is calling people to walk away from their sin and walk in purity and righteousness, righteousness and be with Him. Well, that's kind of the gist of the series, but we've been talking about pe- how people matter, and first we said different people matter. Then we said difficult people matter. Remember the knuckleheads in our life? Somehow we're supposed to love them. Last week we talked about needy people matter. And this evening we're going to talk about another person that matters a whole lot, someone else that God loves, and that's me. If When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he's talking about me. And he's talking about the person that's wearing your shoes tonight, for God so That was a joke. Remember the diligence? For God so loved the world, for God so loved me, that Jesus came to rescue me from this mess. We're going to explore this this evening. We're going to look at a story that Jesus told to illustrate the love that our heavenly Father has for us and how deep and wide it is. I've entitled the evening's message, I Matter. Look with me, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is basically a story of three parables. Now, a parable is basically a story that talks about things that are going on in the natural everyday world that we can relate to, and Jesus told it to convey a spiritual truth. So it's like a picture that he tells us, but the picture has meaning. Now, in this particular chapter, there's religious people that are really angry at Jesus. And the reason they're angry at Him is because He's hanging out with what the Bible calls sinners. Well, how many know a sinner in the Scripture literally is everybody because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the guy that's wearing your shoes, the person that's wearing mine, all of us have sinned before a holy God. But how many know Jesus somehow is able to look beyond that sin and still see that the heart of the person is worthy, that we matter, and Jesus still says, I love you. And he was loving people. He was loving knuckleheads. He was loving people different from him. He was loving people doing crazy things, but the religious people were kind of going nuts. And then Jesus said, hey, look, let me illustrate this to you about the love of God and how people matter. Uh, So there's three parables in in this chapter. The first two are about a lost sheep and a lost coin, and if you remember the story about how when the sheep was lost, the coin was lost, there was an exhaustive search, and when that sheep or that coin was found, the Jesus said these words. He said, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep, or rejoice because I've found the lost coin. And what it's a picture of is it's a picture of the love that God has for lost people, for people that are away from him, for people that don't know him, people that aren't serving him, for people that are in another religion, for people that have no religion. Jesus is looking for them because they're lost. They're separated from God. And, and he's, he gets real happy when people, just like you and I, when we made that turn to Christ... He gets real happy when we make that step to God. Well, now he's going to take it a step deeper and he's going to talk about the parable of the lost son. Now, again, in a parable, the parable has meaning and it represents things. And you're going to see... This parable of the lost son, uh, there are two sons in the story. We're going to look at the first son, the younger one. The older son was a picture of the Jewish people who were resentful of the fact that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that Jesus would open his gospel, open the love of God to non-Jewish people. But we're going to focus on the first son, and the first son is a picture of humanity. The first son is a picture of human beings just like you and I, and there's a dad in this son. And this son does something really stupid. This son basically just slaps uh, his dad in the face, takes what dad has. He goes off and he wastes it all. But the father is a picture of our heavenly father and his love for us. And we're going to see the response that his dad had to him when he was doing some crazy things. And we're going to look in the mirror and we're going to see that our heavenly father loves us in the exact same way. So we're going to try to pick up some lessons from this this evening. Let's begin reading Luke 15, verse 11. I'm going to kind of summarize and read from the New Living Translation. Uh, To illustrate the point further, in other words, after the parable of the coin and the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before I die. Now, under Jewish law, the older son would get two-thirds, the younger son would get one-third... There were non biblical documents that suggested it was not a smart thing for the dad to turn over his property while he was still able to manage it. But it was, did happen on some occasions that dad would literally give the inheritance to the child while the child was still alive. But the problem is the child could do things that dad might not approve of and he wouldn't have any recourse about it at all. But he did that. This young man said, I want to give you, uh, I want my share of the estate. Now, this dad apparently was a wealthy man. This dad had worked hard all of his life, and I don't know about you, but when 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 my children take something that I've worked for, something that's precious to me, and waste it, how many know I get a little upset about that? Do you? I mean, if you've done something, if you've worked on something real hard, if maybe there was a family heirloom or something, and and you were excited to give it to them, and you passed along the family silver, and the day after you passed it along to them, they took it to the pawn shop to get some cash. Now, how many know you're going to be a little upset about that? Yeah, Uh, so if you can imagine working all your life and amassing some level of wealth and then your son just taking and wasting it, and that's the picture we're going to see. His father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, I want to encourage you to see this as well, is that though it was a bad choice and a bad decision, the father let him do it. Now, how many know God has given us all free will? And we can make good decisions to walk with God in His ways, or we can make bad or dumb decisions, but God will still let us do it. But there's consequences if we take the wrong path. Well, a few days later, verse 13, the younger son packed all his belongings. He moved to a distant land. Now, the distant land is simply a picture of a life without God. It could be a distant land lived in Canada, or you could run away from Texarkana to Dallas and just decide to leave behind all your church, all your God, all that you've learned about the Bible and just live a wild, crazy life. But let I me mean, know you don't just have to move to Dallas. You could move to Hope and do the exact same thing because let I me mean, know there's wild, crazy people everywhere, and that's exactly what's happening in this story. So this guy moves to this land, and he makes some new friends because he has money. I mean, there's some people that will like you because you have something for them. But as soon as you lose whatever that was, in this case money, they don't want anything to do with you anymore. And that's what he found. He wasted all his money in wild living. Well, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Now, here's what I want you to see. When we wander away from God... There's going to be consequences. How many know we'll find out what looked like it was going to be really good will actually turn sour in our mouth. I mean, it will actually be what was going to be sweet turns into something really negative. And this is what's happening to him. He doesn't have any money. No one will help him. There's no welfare. There's no Social Security. There's nothing, no safety net. There's no Randy Sams to go to. This young man is in trouble. So he persuades a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, that was the most uh, obnoxious job a Jewish person could do. Swine to the Jews were unclean animals, and there was, nothing, uh, uh, th- 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 there was nothing worse than that. If you can imagine an entry-level job, let's say you start working at a restaurant, more than likely, if you don't have any skills, guess who's going to be called upon to clean the toilets? And they're going to come up to you sometimes, and they're going to say, the commode is stopped up. How know that is not a pleasant and nice job. And whoever takes care of that job should be making more than they're making right now. But he's having to do these things that he doesn't want to do, that he hates to do, just to survive. Well, the young man becomes so hungry that even the pods, likely carob pods, he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything to eat. Now, here's a picture of despair and desperation. Here's a picture of someone who's reached the end of their rope someone that's reached the end of their money, they don't know what they're going to do. But the Bible says, verse 17, a wonderful thought, he finally came to his senses. And this is what happens to all of us as we wander away from God that sooner or later we realize that the way we're going is not a good way. I don't care if you have been with 50 people and slept with them or 100 or a 1,000. At some point down the line, you realize that people who say they like you, they love you, really don't. They just want you. And at some point in time, you realize that being used is not a fun feeling. Come on. I want somebody to love me. Well, he gets to this, comes to his senses. And at home, he said, even the hired servants have got plenty of food to spare, and I'm dying of hunger can I tell you this? Sometimes, when you reach the bottom of the barrel, the end of your rope, that's not a bad place to be, because most people find God come on when they're at the end of their rope. Oh, when life squeezes and pressures right you, it could be the thing that's going to turn you to God. Well, notice what he said. Because, mind you, this is a real story. It's a it's it's an it's an event in the world, but it has spiritual meaning to it. He's dying of hunger. He said, "I'm going to go home to my father." Now, this is a picture that when you and I have done something really stupid, that we can still go home to God. I don't care if it's for the first time for salvation or if it's for the 15th time. Come on, as a believer, our Father still wants us to come home. He's going to say, I'm going to go home to my Father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. Now, here's the starting place of getting better, is that when we realize and acknowledge that what we've done was wrong. That when we come to our senses and say, the lifestyle I've chosen, the choices I've made are things that are wrong, and I need forgiveness. I need a change of direction. Verse 19, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, which, you know, he should get judgment and justice. And in essence, he was right. Please, Dad, take me on as a hired servant. Verse 20, he returned home to his father. Now, I want you to think about just a moment as a dad if you can imagine your child, I know people, Christian people, who their kids have gotten on drugs. Now listen, their kids have gotten on drugs and they're addicted to meth or crack or something that just controls your life. They'll steal mom's wedding ring, come on, dad's gone. They'll steal the wedding ring, they'll rifle her purse, they'll take money, they'll take whatever they can. They'll hock the TV because And mom's going to have tough love, but I know moms that have not thrown that child away. Even though they deserve to be thrown away. Even though they have disqualified themselves. And every other family member said, don't ever have another thing to do with them. That's still that mom's child. Are you with me today? And she did not approve of what he's doing. And sometimes she's got to change the locks. But she says, I still love you. Notice what his dad did. He returned home to his father while he's a long way off. His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Now, I want you to see a picture of your heavenly father. And I want you this evening for a few moments to put your feet into the shoes of a man that's done something wrong. I don't care how wrong it is. I don't care if you have have raped someone. I don't care if you have stolen from your own mother. Or if you've just struggled again and again with a secret sin that nobody else knows about because they think you're a perfect Christian. God still loves us. He has love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. So important for us to acknowledge our sin. I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being your son. But the dad did an incredible thing. He said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the calf we've been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And the party began. If you have heard phrases like being saved or being born again, they stem back to this word being lost. Because all of the human race, according to the Bible, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a wall that separated us from God. We were kind of like wandering on our own. We may not have seemed lost. We might have had a map. We might have had a GPS. Our phone will tell us where to go. But somehow spiritually we're lost. And this is a picture that are sp- of people that are spiritually separated from God like all of us were until we turned to Christ and like some of us may be here tonight. I'm telling you, my friends, God loves us, and he will not throw us away. And if we turn our hearts to him, the hearts of a loving father with arms wide open are available to us today. Now, why was this dad so happy to see a son who's wasted a third of what he'd worked his whole life for? Simply, friends, because he loved him and because he mattered. And can I tell you, friend, if that son mattered to that dad, come on, we matter to our God in heaven, come on, I don't care which way we're walking, what way we're doing with our life, God may not approve of our sinful choices and the direction we've taken, but God still loves us, come on, and he gives us a chance to come back home if we'll take advantage of it. Now, I want to give you a couple lessons from this passage if I can. Here's the first one. I still matter to God when I mess up. I still matter when I sin. I still matter when I do wrong. And this is where, and we'll talk in a moment, how a lot of Christians get tripped up because we somehow think that our sin becomes so bad that it separates us from God. You see, this dad didn't forget the son. This dad didn't tell the son he couldn't come home. And God is the same way. I want to remind you Romans 5, 8. It says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... What does that mean? That means that before I was born, God knew what would happen to me 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to this earth to die for the sins of humanity. He knew every bad thing that John Miller would do. Now, you may look at me and you may say, well, you know, you're a pretty good guy. I had a few years of my life where I was not such a good guy. I did some things in my life. But even if I clean my act up a little bit, I still do things, come on, that are against God, just like you do. Because Jesus said if you're angry in your heart, come on, against a man, it's the same as the sin of murder. If you let that anger take you in a direction you don't, you're not supposed to go. Listen, you you may be what statistics say at least 40% of men in the church struggle with pornography. You're just trying to read on your news site, and before you know it, soft porn is in your face. And Jesus said, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, it's the same as committing adultery against her. And if we're not careful, we'll look, we'll feel sometimes too self-righteous or religious. But I'm telling you, my friends, Jesus Christ knew all these things that we would do. Jesus Christ knew that Hitler was going to be born. Come on, Jesus Christ knew that our people that have that have destroyed the life. Jesus knows that doctor that commits abortions. Come on, He knows the nurse that works there. He knew the people on the Planned Parenthood videos, and He still loved them. He died for their sins, and He's trying to call them and you and call me out of the world and. Begin to follow them you see God knew that I was this would sin before I ever did and he still loved me and he continues to love me just like that father did listen here's the second lesson God won't throw us away when we do wrong now let me say it again we live in a performance-based world and if you if you if you don't meet your quota at the job you could be out of there if you break some significant rule, for example, I have a good friend. He lost his job because he didn't He didn't make sure. He was the manager of a restaurant. He didn't make sure that the back door was locked and somebody stole money. And he lost his job just like that and had to get a whole new career. Listen, in our world today, you mess up and you're out. Amen. But God is not like that. He doesn't throw us away when we do wrong. But you know what He will do? He will discipline us. Now, I want you to think just a moment, what this young man went through was discipline when he was far away in that far land and it got his attention. Listen to what Hebrews 12 verse 5 says. It says, have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as his children? God said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Come on, whether it's a spanking or a timeout, how many know God knows the way to get our attention? And the Scripture says His discipline is always good for us so we might share in His holiness. What that simply means is this. Sometimes God will let you get to the end of your rope. God will let you get to a place where you're in a far distant country and you are out of money, you can't get a job, you're working for a farmer feeding pigs. And God says, can we talk now? And you look up and say, yes, Lord, I hear what you're saying. Isn't that exactly what happened to Jonah? God told Jonah to do something, and Jonah said, heck with you. And he ran away from God. But God said, I'm going to follow you, Jonah. And I'm going to send, come on, I'm going to send a storm, and I'm going to send a fish, and I'm going to get your attention, and you're going to come to your senses and you're going to start praying in that well's belly. Come on. And you're going to say, Lord, I think I'll do what you want me to do now. Can I tell you, friends, God is not going to throw us away. He's going to recycle us. Come on. God is a green God. <laughs> he's going to take something that's used and no longer useful, and he's going to turn it into something good. And he does it because he loves us. Now, here's the third one, and this is probably the biggest lesson. So stay with me on this. Run to God. Don't run away from him when you mess up. Now listen to this one. When you mess up, and you do, and I do, and we will. When we mess up, run to God. Don't run away from him. Satan will use our mistakes, and he'll lie to us to keep us away from God. Maybe you commit some big, horrible sin. Maybe you end up on the newspaper with the orange jumpsuit. Or maybe just you do that little thing that you said you would never do again. Come on. That you've answered altar calls, you've prayed, you would confessed, but you did it again. And these thoughts come to your mind, these lies. My sins are so bad, I don't deserve forgiveness. Satan will say, I need to punish myself for what I've done. I'm not worthy to go to church or serve the Lord because of what I did. God doesn't love me anymore. And the ultimate lie is, I don't even deserve to live. And I am fully convinced many people that commit suicide and take their lives are listening to a lie. And Satan's greatest tools, listen, of shame and condemnation pull Christians underwater. Shame and condemnation are two of Satan's greatest tools that he uses against the Christian. There's a difference between condemnation. Condemnation makes me feel ashamed and unworthy towards God. Whereas when I get convicted based on what I've done wrong, I feel sorry for it. But conviction always points me to the cross of Christ. And conviction always pulls me to God, not pushes me away from Him. Condemnation, and the Bible says in the Romans, by the way, it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. How many are in Christ Jesus? Let me see your hand this evening. Now listen to what the Bible says. The ESV, the most accurate modern translation, it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is Satan's whisper that said, you're not a Christian. A Christian wouldn't do that and it's turning you away from the mercy of God. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't do what you're doing. You're not worthy of God. How, can you, how could you try to teach a Bible study or a class? Everybody knows what you did, and Satan is lying, pushing us away. That's the voice of condemnation. Come on, you just need to say out loud, get behind me. Come on, and you need to run to God and not away from God because God wants you to come to him. Now listen, this is Hebrews chapter 4. Now listen to this. He's talking about uh, the high priest. And in the Jewish religion, the high priest represented the people to God. And the high priest would would atone for their sins through the blood of an animal. And Jesus gave the blood of his own life. But listen to what Scripture says. The high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. Now listen. He faced all the same temptations that we do, but he didn't sin. Now... When you read the Bible, you don't just pull one verse out. The Bible was not written by, in verses. The Bible it was written in a flowing thrall on manuscripts and scrolls, and scholars have tried to figure out where the paragraph breaks were, and they've tried to help us get... And sometimes we just take sentences, and we don't realize what the context is, what it's connected to. So we've been talking about sins, and the very next verse says this, Let us come boldly to the throne of our Gracious God, and there we'll receive His mercy and we'll find grace grace to help us when we need it the most. Now, what is that saying? That's saying, in the middle of your sin, run to the cross. I don't care if you're a preacher 35 years, come on, 50-something years old. When you sin, you run to the cross. You don't let the lie push you away from it. You say, but I know, I just don't feel. You, are, you cannot let your feelings determine your responses to God. Come on. You want—you need to know that Jesus wants you to come to him. He already knew it anyway. Amen. Just because you turned the lights out or just because you went out of town to sin, have me know he already knew it. You're not surprising him. Come on. You, you cannot hide it from him, but we go to God and not away from Him. This is one of the most profound things that has the potential to change our life if we can realize that when we sin, that God wants us to come to Him with our sin and not run away from Him. Come on, give Him a big hand this evening. Now, here's the fourth lesson, and I want to talk about the word forgiveness. We've alluded to it all night long, but I want to talk about specifically, God wants to forgive us when we've messed up. I remember when the son said, I have sinned, and the daddy just held him. This word forgiveness, what does forgiveness mean? Now let me give you a picture. Psalm 103, verse 12. It said, As far as the east is from the west. Now pause just a minute. And I want you to think in terms of a round globe where east would meet west. I want you to think of a linear plane where east is that away into the universe and west is that away. As far as the east is from the west, how far is that? It is an infinite number. It is a number that cannot be quantified. It is perpetual. It's the little infinity sign in math. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. What does that mean? That means when I sin, go back to the old chalkboard. If I had a chalkboard up here and I wrote... My worst sins and yours, and, and they were written on a board. And I come to Jesus, and I say, Lord, would you forgive me? You say, how do you get forgiveness from God? First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wish I could tell this to the Filipino people in, in the Easter season. Not all, obviously, but some will allow themselves to be crucified to somehow identify with Christ. That's not the way we deal with our sins. We confess them to God, and what God does, like the old chalkboard, he takes an eraser, come on, and that chalk, and he wipes it all away. And he doesn't write on it with a permanent marker when he recorded our sins. He wrote with chalk. You see, we think of sins like like a computer. If you delete a file, it goes to the trash bin. But guess what? You can pick it up out of the trash bin, and your mind remembers it. Forgiveness is not forgetting. But God has some way of saying, look, I can separate you from your sins. And no longer will your sins bring judgment in your life, but your sins have been nailed to the cross. And you don't have to bear the penalty of your sins any longer. If you'll run to me, come on, I will forgive you and I will remove them. Though your sins are as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord tonight. Let me wrap up with this one. Here's the fifth lesson. God will give us a better life if we follow his ways. Let me say it again. God will give us a better life if we follow his ways. What would you rather have, the famine or the party? Would you rather have the ring, come on, and the, and, and the new jacket, or would you rather be in the pigsty? Come on, walking around with shoes. You didn't have rubber boots walking through the pigsty, and you had to go in and separate the pigs, and you'd get pig dung between your toes. Are you with me today? Would you rather be there, or would you rather be in the party in Daddy's house? It is the exact same thing. God has a better life for you and a better life for me if we'll follow his ways. Listen, I have been on both sides of the deal and when the world starts to pull you, listen, it is fun, it is exciting. When you go to the party and people are drinking, they feel like they're having so much fun. They hear, say, take a a puff of this, take a hit of that. You feel better than you felt before, but the only thing you don't know is uh, six months down the road, you're going to be stealing from your mama, come on, to make your habit. You're going to get kicked out of college. You're going to lose your job. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to get a... A sexually transmitted disease, you're going to be forced to go to the abortion clinic by someone who doesn't want to raise the baby, and you're going to carry this trash all your life. I'm telling you, there is a better way than living in the distant country. Come on. It is living with God if we'll follow His ways. I want to tell you, in this better life, Jesus has promised... I'm going to give you a couple promises and quit. He promised to be with us wherever we go. Jesus Himself said... I will be with you as you do this. He's talking to the disciples as they're carrying forth his message. I'll be with you day after day right up to the end of the age. Now, I want to tell you, Lanelle and I found this when she had breast cancer. The first few days, we were in turmoil as we've never been before. Our gyroscope was spinning. Our compass would not work. But one day, I was reading my Bible, and I oped up in that Bible, and it's like God was speaking to me, and it was an obscure Old Testament verse, but it said, all is well. And I knew at that moment the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that she was going to be okay. I'm telling you, friends, from experience, Jesus has promised, though you cannot see him, if you will still believe in him, there is an unseen hand that will guide you through this crazy life. He promised to be with you. The second thing he said is he said, I will take care of you. Now listen, his promises are better than the promises of the government. They're better than the promise of a pension that is underfunded and one day will not be able to pay somebody. Come on, he keeps his promises. In Matthew 6, 33, he says, if you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will take care of you. Come on, you don't know how he'll do it, but he somehow can do it. I stand amazed that I look at our life. Our little church was about to fall apart. 25, 26 years ago, and it was in heap big trouble. But I'll tell you what, we just started following God. Pat and I just kept walking with God and Pastor Mike and Linnell, and some of us were just working for nothing, paying our own health insurance and all those things. But all of a sudden, God just began to smile on us. And we've never missed a meal. We've never missed a missionary. God has been good to us. Come on, for 25 years, I'm telling you, he'll keep his word to you. Here's a big one. He promised to give us purpose and meaning for life. Now listen to this. Psalm 139. Your eyes, God, saw my unformed body when you were in the womb of your mother. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What does that mean? That means that every person in this room tonight, before you were born, your heavenly Father had a plan for your life. Now, listen, so many people wander through life. They're aimless. They don't know what to do. They think life is just about having fun or life has no meaning, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, friends, when you will connect yourself to God, you will find the reason that you were put on this earth, and every day of your life will be an adventure to God because God did not make an accident when he created you. He created you and I, me for a purpose and for a reason, and he's given us a privilege to walk with him. Come on as we walk through the days of this earth. Listen, he's promised, my friends, that our tomorrows will be better than our yesterdays, and I'll close with this. In John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when everything is ready, I'm going to come and get you so you'll be with me always where I am. You may be also. I'll tell you, friends, the promise from our God is that our tomorrow will be better than our yesterday. Jesus said, in this world, I'll promise you, I'll give you an abundant life, but the best is yet to come. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet today? And I want to close with this little thought. I want to go back to the son in this story. You see, this son knew he could come home because he still mattered to his dad. And I want to tell everyone in this room tonight You matter to God. I want to say it again. You matter to God. Some of us are probably in the distant country tonight. Some of us have maybe living out there in the world. It may not be as bad as it could be, but I want to tell you, friends, that world's a pretty tough place to be. I know I used to live there. When I was a teenager started getting freedoms and doors starting open to me and friends started offering me things to drink and things to smoke and you know how the whole life it just begins to pull you into it. I found that my grades started going down. I found that my sense of ambition started going down. My athletics were not as good as they used to be. My friends started getting a little scuzzier. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I just was headed in the wrong direction. And then I decided I'd just run away from my problems and I was going to join the military but little did I know that there was going to be a Gideon just before I got on the airplane to go to boot camp and that Gideon was going to talk to me about something that my Sunday school teacher had told me that Gideon was going to tell me that Jesus loved me and that if I would surrender my heart to him that he'd give me the life that I'd always wanted can I tell you friend five days after he said that I read I was reading that little Gideon Bible I wrote my name on the back of it August 15th 1976, And I've always found him to be faithful. That was my moment when I was in the pigsty. That was my moment when I was feeding the pigs when I came to myself. See, I was in the world and I thought the world would bring me happiness. But the only problem is it doesn't. See, our heart is like a bucket with a hole in the bottom of it. And we constantly are filling it up. But the problem, it always drains out. We're going to go have some fun. We're going to go to a party. But guess what? Whatever that party put in that bucket, we woke up the next morning with a headache. Come on, not quite sure what all happened. But the bucket was empty, so we had to go and do it again. Or maybe we tried to find happiness in our possessions, and we got this brand-new car that we thought would make us happy. But all of a sudden, somebody in a parking lot put a ding on it. And the next thing we know, we dropped our Coke on it, and then we couldn't get the spot out. And now our new car doesn't make us happy anymore. Well, maybe it's in a degree and maybe it's in education. And we start climbing the ladder. And one day we realize we spent 10 years going to school and diplomas are lining our wall. But we're still not happy. Because you see, friend, you're not going to find happiness in the far country. Happiness comes from a relationship with God. You see, that's what God wants with us, a personal relationship. He's not looking for memorized prayers and He's not looking for religious obligation. He's looking for people that will relate to Him as a son or a daughter to walk with Him all their days. I'd like to take a moment tonight as we close this service and pray for you because maybe you're that son today in the far country. Maybe you're like I was when I was a teenager. On the outside, everything looked great. Scholarship, girlfriend, car, money. But on the inside... It was an emptiness. My friend Jesus can feel that emptiness. He's the only one that can fill, fill that God-shaped void. Maybe this is your moment to make a step to God. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and maybe as a Christian you've walked with God, but somehow you're just drifting out in that far country. And you just feel like the Holy Spirit is talking to you tonight to say, don't go any farther. Don't hit rock bottom. Turn your heart back to God because God has a better way. My friend, if this is your moment tonight and you're wanting to turn your heart back to your Father, if you're wanting to commit your life afresh to Christ, I want to pray with you, friend, because your Father's arms are wide open because you matter to Him. And because you matter to God, my friends, I want to encourage you to make a step to your Father. If you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. I'm ready to turn my back on the far country and begin to walk with him. Would you just lift your hand this evening? I want to pray for you tonight. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to turn my heart to God. I'm tired of the far country and what it's offering. I don't want to live like that any longer. I want my heart to be sold totally and completely to him. Come on, let's just slip our hands to heaven tonight. I want you to just pray with me right now. Say, Lord, I don't want to live in the far country. I don't want my life to be characterized by things that are going to cause pain for me or you or anyone else. I want, Lord Jesus, to be to be walking close with you. I want to stay in the Father's house all my life. And I'm going to pray. Let's just pray right now because I know there's some that are here this evening that will say, Pastor, I I, I struggle with the shame and with the condemnation. I struggle with Satan's lies because of my sins. I want God to deliver me. I want God to free me. I, I want to leave the condemnation behind and I want to be free from that. Come on, just wave your hand and say, Lord, that's me right now. I want to be yeah. I want to be free from that. I don't want to walk in condemnation any longer. Could you just pray with me right now? Let's all pray for, for our friends that are here today that, that they would respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but they wouldn't respond to condemnation because He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we'd love you tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a good hand tonight. He's worthy of our praise. We're going to close with one one, one last song this evening, just a love song to Jesus. But I'm going to ask our prayer team if they'll step right up to the front and maybe there was something in this message that really resonated with your heart. Maybe you want... To talk with someone about something you heard tonight or, or maybe you want someone to pray with you specifically about that condemnation and, and shame about something that's in your closet. I want to tell you friends, something big can happen, a miracle moment when we pray. Let's sing it one last time and, and then we'll close. Listen, I love you very much. If you need prayer, you come and we'll pray for you.
2: going to remain around front and they'll pray with you be happy to pray with you for whatever you have in need of prayer tonight but if not hey feel free to hang out with some friends in the cafe cafe and we look forward to seeing you guys next week god bless you